0: You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus if we can. Come on, better than that. Thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing in this place. We thank you for everything that happened during worship. Let's just pray. Let's stand together all over the room. We'll just go ahead and do it. Half of us were up anyways, right? Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you've been moving on hearts throughout this entire day already. We thank you that this may be the first service, but God, there's a, there's a blessing in this service that they may not even get in the second service, so we thank you for that. But God, we just thank you for such a powerful time of worship. We ask that you would be magnified, glorified, and lifted high. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I have to ask, this is my custom. um, Are you glad you came to church? We're glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I want to take a quick moment to just honor your pastors, Pastor Stephen and Pastor Jennifer. Can we give it up for them? Can we honor them for the hard work, dedication, and the hearts to lead and love people no matter where they are in their journey with the Lord or even before they have a journey with the Lord? I'm so honored to be here. Um, should I tell a funny story? Like, should I start with that? Let's do it. Let's do it. So one of my favorite stories of being with Pastor Stephen is, if you know him well, you know that you can go anywhere in a conversation with him, from light, jovial, joking things to deep discussions on life and the meaning of everything. Um, but one time, we, I had the luxury of riding with him over eight hours somewhere deep in Georgia uh, to a leadership conference, it's just he and I in a church van that smelled like teenagers and uh, we're just riding eight hours all the way there, and it's great, it's fun, we're, c- we're catching up, more joking than anything. But then on the way back from this leadership conference, uh, we're going deep, and he's talking to me. At that time, we were expecting my firstborn son, can I honor my wife? Britt, Britt, will you stand up? Thank, thank you for being here, for putting up with me and our boys. We're so thankful for you. Um, but th- Britt, we were expecting our, our firstborn son, Oliver, and so I was asking him a lot of questions about fatherhood and parenthood. and. We were somewhere really deep, about four to five hours into the drive, and we're going down the interstate, and he's given me some serious wisdom when all of a sudden we see what looks to be an eagle swooping down, and as I'm watching this bird that I'm not sure if it's a vulture or anything, but we're looking, we're, we're intently looking, and I'm wondering, wow, isn't that just majestic? Maybe it is an eagle. It quickly crosses the uh, median and is hit. By a semi at full speed. And so, my first reaction as the bird is obliterated and becomes nothing but a dust of feathers, my first reaction is, oh, while Pastor Stephen's first reaction is, come on! <laughs> out of the middle of some serious conversation, but that's something I've always loved about Pastor Stephen is his just, he can go anywhere and he can be so in the moment and it's just such a joy to be around he and his family. And so I'm thankful for them and I'm thankful to be here. Um, Before we get started, if you want to, you can open your Bibles to the book of Judges, the 16th chapter. Um, But in in preparation for today, uh, over the last couple of weeks and in prayer and, and study, there's something God put on my heart that I feel I need to release to the room. And this is a, a somewhat of a prophetic word, I guess, but it's a word of encouragement nonetheless, and that is this. I'm reminded in preparation for this weekend of a story. Any history buffs in the room? Anybody? Just me, okay. All right, kind of, kind of. That's okay. I love history. I love history podcasts, books on history, mainly world history. Not much of a fan of American history. Don't know why, but regardless, I love to study history. And I actually came across a podcast, I believe, about some of the worst fires in in history. Uh, and one of the things that it reminded me of recently, in preparation for this weekend, is a story I heard about the Great Chicago Fire. anybody ever been to Chicago? anybody from Chicago? I love Chicago. And I'm from Humboldt, Tennessee, and I love Chicago. And we actually got to visit before our second-born son, Beckham, was born, and it was amazing. Um, And so we have a fondness for it. And it reminded me of this story about 1871 during the Great Chicago Fire, which lost over 300 lives, which stole over 300,000 businesses and buildings were destroyed. And uh, thousands upon thousands of people were misplaced because of the damage of the Great Chicago Fire. But one of the really inspiring things about this story is that immediately as news broke across the nation about the devastation happening in Chicago, train tickets went up tremendously. And they found that architects had started moving across the nation to Chicago And if you know anything about Chicago that you know between New York and even LA, it has some of the most highly sought after architecture in the entire nation. And that is because architects moved all the way across the nation to begin to rebuild a city. And here's what I feel I'm supposed to release to this room today, and that is Avenue, God is calling you to be architects. After Pastor Stephen and Pastor Jennifer launched this church directly after a pandemic, and I believe it is signifying the fact that there are people who are coming to Murfreesboro, who are coming to this region, and they're going to begin to build the kingdom of God in a place where maybe it's already established, but we need to rebuild some things. And so I want to release that. If you receive it, you receive it. If you don't, we'll just get into the word. You ready? Judges 16. I'm going to start in verse 4 through 6. After this, he, being Samson, fell in love with a Philistine woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. So the five lords of the Philistines came to her and said to her, persuade him and see where his great strength lies and find out how we may overpower him so that we may bind and subdue him. And each of us will give you 1100 pieces of silver. So Delilah, say Delilah, Delilah. said to Samson, please tell me where lies your great strength and with what you may be bound and subdued. Here's what I need you to know about me real quick after I take a sip of this water. I'm what you call a holler back preacher. Y'all ever heard of one of those? So that means when I holler, if you holler back, I preach shorter. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead. Y'all want to practice real quick? Amen. Amen. Okay, we all got it. We're good. We're good. We're good. So here's what I want to talk to you about today after reading this scripture. Before we do that, actually, I'm going to pray one more time. God, I thank you for the opportunity to stand before your people today. Lord, I ask that you would anoint me to articulate your word clearly into our lives Let every heart be open to receive, let every eye be open to see spiritually, and ear open to hear spiritually everything it is that you want to give us, show us, and speak to us. We come against any and every distraction in the name of Jesus, and we say, Holy Spirit, have your will and your way in this place. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about what should be the most treasured part of your life. It is the reason why you are here, and it is the reason God created you. It is actually what God dreamed about as he destined you. It is what God contemplated as he carefully crafted you in your mother's womb, and it is the thing that if you do not pursue, you will have wasted your purpose on this earth. It's actually the very thing that the enemy of your soul wants to destroy more than anything else, and that is this, your destiny. The title of my message today is called Dating Delilah. And now if you've ever been in church for, I don't know, if you've been around at least acutely uh, church or church people, you've more than likely heard the story of Samson and Delilah. And even people who aren't Christians, if we were to have come up last night and gone to any bar and pulled a drunk right off of the Stool they were sitting on and pulled him outside and said, hey, can you tell me anything about Samson? More than likely, whoever it is, this is something that crosses religious divides and the difference between what is secular and sacred. The story of Samson and Delilah is something that is very commonly known. And so here's what most of us know about Samson. Old Testament guy. He was a judge. He was strong. Or maybe you know the most famous thing about him that there is, and that is that he had long, luscious locks. Because he actually was a Nazarite. And so here's what's important about Samson, and what I really want to dig into today is that Samson was destined from birth to deliver Israel from oppression from their enemies. See, his destiny was so big that he was dedicated by his parents before his birth. And he was a Nazarite. What does that mean so quickly? A Nazarite is someone who is not allowed by God to have anything pertaining to grapes, a.k.a. wine, No. Y'all ready? You couldn't touch dead things. Come on. That's an easy one. Ew. (laughs) Right. Like (laughs) that. No problem there, Lord. And then no haircuts. And so simply a Nazarite is separated. Say separated. Separated. But what we commonly see in the story of Samson is we see us beginning to believe that his strength was in his hair. Say no, not at all. What do you mean? I'm glad you asked. His strength was not in his hair. Samson's strength, strength was actually in his devotion. It was not only in his devotion, his separation, his consecration by way of being a Nazarite, it was in his devotion to his God-given destiny, and see, here's what I came to tell somebody from Jackson, Tennessee. You are never stronger than when you are completely devoted to your God-given destiny. Samson was a man of great strength, but when he stopped pursuing God's destiny on his life, it was not long until he became distracted and then became defeated. You are never stronger than when you are completely devoted to your destiny, and you're you're at your strongest when you are committed to your calling. You see, his strength was not in his hair. And here's what you need to know. Samson's enemies hated him. Hated him. They hated him because he was strong. In one story, he takes the jawbone of a donkey and defeats an entire army um, no, sidebar, uh, real quick. He wasn't supposed to be touching dead things, anyways. What was he doing with a jawbone? I'll keep moving. He's smart because the Bible says that he tells them riddles that if they cannot solve the riddles, he gets to beat them up. All right. <laughs> And he's sly, like literally. In one story, he takes a group of foxes, ties them together by their tails, lights them on fire, and sends them through the crop fields of Philistine in order to completely cripple their economy. He is smart. He's probably good looking. He's got long, good hair. Um, he, and he's sly. It's crazy. His enemies could not stand him. And in the Bible, they they, they constantly ask, what is his secret? Oh, I wonder today, here's what's crazy. Are, is there anyone in this room that maybe you're a secret server? Maybe people are run, wondering day in and day out, what is your secret? Why is it that you're so happy? Why is it that you're so different? Why? And maybe you have not yet decided to allow them to be made aware of your separation, your consecration, the fact that you know Jesus and you have the hope for the world living inside of you. I'll move on. I'll move on. Every time Samson defeated them, they wondered, what is his secret? You know, most people think that Samson was some muscled up dude like me, Um, but I don't think that. I think Samson looked, uh, you know, we think, what do you imagine? The Rock? Arnold? People thought he looked kind of like that, but I think he looked more like Pee Wee Herman. And maybe some of us are too young in the room to remember that. I don't know. I'm 28, by the way. I don't know if, where that puts me, but I remember Pee Wee. Um, but I have two little ones, and we watch Blippi. And it's like copy-paste and even weirder, okay? <laughs> if you don't know who Blippi is, look him up. But I imagine that Samson did not look like Michael B. Jordan. I do not believe that he looked like The Rock. Because if he looked like The Rock, it would be ridiculous to wonder what was the cause of his great strength. But if he looked normal and average, if he looked like Pee Wee Herman and did what he did, people would look at him and think, What in the world? Is this Chris Angel? What is going on here? Are there strings attached to stuff? Is this a deep fake? I think people, like, there's no way if it's the rock we're wondering. It's like, Oh, dude, you're Jack. I get it. <laughs> so I believe that Samson was an ordinary looking person. Can I preach? You know when you've tapped into your destiny when what you do defies what people expect of you. Who am I talking to this morning? When God's purpose, plan, and power comes on you, you don't even look like what you should be able, what you're doing. And here's what's even greater is the testimony of Jesus. There are some of us in this room today that if we were to get really honest, we don't even look like what we've been through. Come on, that's the goodness of God, is it not? Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for the testimony power of Jesus. And so here's what we know in the story. Every time the Philistines looked at Samson, they thought, How does he do this? They tried and tried and tried, but to no avail. And so, when all else failed, the Bible says that they decided to get together and devise a demonic plan. They prayed to their God, who is Dagon, and they came up with this plan to hire a hitman named Delilah to destroy Samson's destiny. Is this making sense to anybody? And so what happens, and here's what's my, actually, here's here's what is my question today. What is your Delilah? And I want to break that down for just a moment, if we can, because I think it's important for us to identify what a Delilah is. You see, in the story, Delilah was a woman, but Delilah is not gender specific. Delilah can be a man or a woman. Delilah can be a person, place, or thing. Delilah is a noun called distraction. What is your Delilah? Better yet, who is your Delilah? Because if we're honest today, each and every one of us have allowed ourselves to become lulled into the lap of Delilah. And Delilah can be be many things. Delilah can be an attitude or an addiction. Delilah can be your appearance or your ambitions. It can be a vice, a habit, a weakness, a drug, alcohol, weed, your need to succeed. I don't know. My question to you today is, what is your Delilah? Maybe it's that relationship that everyone you know and love keeps telling you you need to get out of. Maybe it's a number you need to delete, a person you need to unfollow, people you need to stop inviting into your life. I don't know, but you know. Because a Delilah will always distract you from your real enemy. You see, Delilah didn't try to kill Samson. She distracted Samson so that he could be bound. And so it's not always the devil. You you ever meet Christians, they think the devil's in everything? Like the TV's acting weird. Ugh. What is like, what are you talking about? Somebody just, you have a bad dream. It's the devil. No, the devil is not in any everything. He can be in anything we allow him access to. But what we need to understand is that the enemy is far more interested in distracting you from your God-given destiny so that then he can do exactly what he was sent to do. And John ten ten says that he is Kill. He's here to kill, steal, and destroy. Come on, he's here to kill your calling, steal your sanity, and destroy your destiny. And here's what I came to tell you today: because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, you can break up with your Delilahs. Amen. She can be the, she can be anything. She wears many hats and comes in many different dresses. But the truth is, Delilah is a noun name distraction, and so. What, what do you mean, Pastor Darian? Yeah, you said it's a distraction. It's a, it's a spirit of Delilah. It's, it's, it's something that's not necessarily specifically one person. But see, it is the spirit behind whatever it is that you allow to pull you away from God and stops you from pursuing and progressing in your God-given purpose. There was a song we used to sing. Hey there, Delilah. What's it like stealing my destiny? Because that's what you do to me. And it's funny, you know, we sing the songs and we name our babies Delilah. Like we do all this stuff if you're a true millennial. (laughs) But here's the thing. Delilah would love nothing more than for you to let her lull you into her lap. So how do we identify it? Are you ready for some practicality? All right, number one, here's how we identify Delilah. Write this down. Delilah never wanders. She is sent. Delilah never just wanders into your life. She is sent into your life. Judges 16, four through five says this. After this, he fell in love with a Philistine woman whose name was Delilah. So the five lords of the Philistines came to her and said to her, persuade him and see where his great strength is. She was sent into his life She was paid to go into his life. And she didn't come by mistake or coincidence. Notice the text said after. After what? Little bit of backstory. Samson earlier on in this story, in the text, actually married a Philistine woman. Uh Uh-oh. See, Samson had a type. And the enemy knew his type because he married a woman who is outside of his religion, not race. I know. Can I talk about that for a minute? I am a biracial angel, if you cannot tell. My mother is white. My father is black, if you were wondering. I don't look like Steph Curry, but we can't all be pretty. All right. Here's the thing you need to know. In the Bible, the issue was not that they were of a different race. Moses married an African woman, and his sister judged him for it and was stricken with leprosy. What the story is teaching us is that you cannot missionary date. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> you can't. And maybe we're not, I know, uh, well, I'm married. Okay, well, you cannot comp- you cannot keep surrounding your your marriage with people outside of your faith to speak into your marriage. I don't want a marriage like the world has. I don't want a family like the world has, okay? We have to understand there is something to this that causes us, we can't do what everybody else gets to do because we're not called to live like everybody else lives. Come on, somebody. And what happens is he marries a woman outside of his religion, outside of his covenant, outside of his destiny. And what happens is, as, because he does this, it opens the door for his enemies to see that he is actually married to one of them. And in the story, they use it against him, and it ends up not just destroying him, it ends up killing her. And so we have to be careful who we partner with because we can cause more harm than good. Let me move on. One day, he met another Philistine girl that reminded him of the girl he had lost before, and her name was Delilah. See, Delilah was a replacement sent to Samson by the enemy. She never wanders into your life. She is sent. Is that okay? Number two. You ready? You ready? All right. Make sure I'm not the only one in here. Delilah gains access to our lives when we drift from God. I'm gonna say it again. Delilah gains access to our lives when we drift from God. Samson was strong and he was smart. How on earth did he fall for an enemy named Delilah? He drifted from God. See, when we drift, we open the door. And when we open the door, the enemy can come in and try to do exactly what he wants to do and steal and kill and destroy. And so that's why we have to be careful what doors we open. See, Samson opened the door way back when with his first wife. Because then we find in the story after after he marries her, what happens is he begins to touch things that he is not supposed to touch. Eat things he is not supposed to eat and do things he is not supposed to do. He's not supposed to remember. He cannot touch dead things, easy, cheesy, right? Like, disgusting. But he can't cut his hair, and he can't have anything to do with grapes. Let's read Judges 14, 5 through 9. You ready? Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. This sounds good, okay. As they approached the vineyards, pause. What are you doing in the vineyard? Let's keep reading. All right, let's keep reading. Suddenly, a young lion came roaring toward him. Suddenly, nothing. Isn't it funny how it's always when you are where you are not supposed to be that you find yourself in the biggest messes? And this is what happens to Samson. He's not even supposed to be. You ever ever meet people when, like, they just, they're always on the edge. They're living on the edge, and you're always thinking, ah, that's just them. You know, we write them off. They're always on the edge of saying something completely ridiculous in the friend group or at work. And we're always just like, you need to stop. Hey, just me. Maybe I need some better friends. I don't know. But what happens is Samson is playing with sin. He is not in sin, but he is drifting away from what God has called him to do and to be. And so when we read this, let me keep reading. The lion came forward roaring toward him, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother. When you're doing things that you can't tell your spouse, when you're doing things that you can't tell people around you who love you, you are probably not supposed to be doing those things. And then he went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. Mm. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to see the lion's carcass. And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands, and he ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some. They too ate it, but he did not tell them he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Why did we need to read this? Because I needed you to see that Samson was drifting from God far before he was defeated by Delilah. See, he started touching the wrong things, consuming the wrong things, committing to the wrong things. Uh What are you committed to that God has never called you to be committed to? And what are you failing to commit to where God is screaming at you, please, please, please do this? Because when we're drifting, we're committed to the wrong things. Tell your neighbor, don't drift. See, what do you mean, Pastor Dan? Well, you used to go to church every week, but you started drifting. You used to pray and read your Bible every day, but you got distracted and you drifted. The word used to feed you, but that just, people, when you're in church any amount of time, you just get the people that just get this bless me if you can attitude, and they just look at the preacher every week. And what's funny is it's, it's always the same line. Well, this just don't feed me no more. Hey. Hey, let me help you. If it's not feeding you, it's because God called you to be a self-feeder. Come on. Can I preach? Can I preach? We can't always be in a state of needing, needing, needing. Give me, give me, give me. God is trying to feed you because he wants a personal relationship with you. And if you are dependent on one hour at church on Sunday morning, you are not walking out your God-given destiny. I I used to have guardrails, but I don't want to, I want to be free. I want to do me. I used to, I used to love the worship, but this, this, I don't like these songs. Hey, if you don't like the songs we sing good, they're not even for you. <laughs> We're drifting. We're drifting. Is this okay? First Peter 5, 6-8 says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your cares and anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Guess who he's looking for? Drifters. So Delilah is sent. Delilah shows up when we drift. And this is the last one. Delilah is deadly. Say deadly. The enemy is seeking to devour, devour our destinies. And this is serious. Our relationships, our our schedules, the enemy's trying to get in and distract us to devour us. And we have to be made aware of it. See, Judges 16, 15 through 21. I'm going to read this quickly. Then she said to him, this is Delilah to Samson. How can you say I love you when you don't even confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength which was with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death. And so he told her everything. He said, no razor has ever been used on my head because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she went and gave word to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back at once more, he's told me everything. So the rulers returned with silver in their hands. And after putting the new King James, or the King James Version says lulling, after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. So they begin to subdue him. And his strength left him. And then she called, she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out before, like before, and shake myself free. But he did not know, saddest part of the scripture, he did not know that the Lord had left him. And then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles, and they set him to grinding grain in the prison. Four deadly things Delilah brings very quickly. The first thing is loss of control. They bound his hands. Who or what is controlling you? And it may help you identify what is your Delilah. Is it addiction? Is it fear? Is it insecurity? Is it ambition? What is controlling you? And it's interesting to me, they bound his hands, and it's so funny because the first thing the enemy likes to do in our lives, once he's got us distracted, is steal and bind our worship. Delilah brings loss of control. The next thing is she brings loss of vision. They gouged out his eyes. The Bible says without vision, people perish. And so what is it? You used to dream about your future. You used to have that ambition, that godly ambition. You used to have vision for your life. But what has stolen your vision? The third thing is loss of position. Right now in the church world, we've seen leaders of high status at many different churches and all across denominations begin to fall. And I would dare say it is because they allowed themselves to become distracted by spiritual Delilahs in their lives. Because Delilah will always lead to a loss of godly position. He was a judge, y'all. He was not just anybody. He was not just some strong man. He was not just a bodybuilder. He was a judge appointed by God. And because of the lulling of Delilah, he lost his position. The fourth thing is loss of progress. They tied him up to a grinding wheel in a prison. Who is it in this room today to where you feel like you are just going through the motions you feel like you're on a grinding wheel and you just keep circling the same thing you keep praying and believing for the same thing but nothing's happening you're just again around and around in a circle there may be a distraction named delilah in your life so what do we do i'm glad you asked the first thing we need to realize we have to do ben y'all can come on up is we have to do this you ready How do we defeat Delilah? How do we defeat distractions? The first thing is we have to say no to normal. We have to say no to normal. Is this all right? I don't want normal. Normal didn't work for me before the Lord, and it's not going to work for me now. Normal didn't work for me before COVID, and normal is not going to work for me now. I am done with normal. Normal is boring. I want an abnormal life. I don't want normal blessings. I want supernatural blessings. I don't want a normal marriage. I want a supernatural marriage. I don't want a normal future. I want a supernatural future. See, the world wants good over God. The world wants good kids who go to good schools and make good grades and play on good ball teams and go to a good college and find a good wife or a good husband. And yeah, that may work for a season, but good will leave you divorced. It will leave you broken. It will leave you alone. You need God over good. The second thing we have to do is we have to stop enjoying church. What? see, because it's so easy to come in here week in and week out and enjoy the lights and the worship and the word and the service. But it's time. It's time to stop enjoying church and embrace church. The reason the church is not affecting culture the way it should be affecting culture is because the Christians in the church are showing up like they go to the movies and entertain me attitude. It's time to stop simply enjoying what God is doing in Avenue and embrace what God is doing in Avenue. It's time to stop enjoying what God is doing in this city and in this region and embrace what God is doing in this region. Stop enjoying, church. Embrace it. You know what 212 is? 212 degrees? Anybody? Boiling point of water. You know what 211 is? Just hot water. The only difference is one degree. One degree. One degree is what keeps hot water from being the powerful source that can drive a train. What's your one degree? I think the enemy likes to get us distracted and focus on everything. See, the oh, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. The enemy is so good with you coming to church. He's so good with it. It doesn't bother him at all. But what he is afraid of, what makes the devil want to pop a Prozac is if you get a hold of your God-given destiny. I believe the awareness of your destiny is the degree that will shift you into a powerhouse for the Holy Spirit. It will change you. It will change your marriage. It will change your family. We need to understand that God has a destiny for each and every one of us. I think it might have been C.S. Lewis, Mark Twain, one of them. They said the two most important days in a person's life is the day they're born and then the day they discover why. So true. So true. What's distracting you from your destiny? The third and final thing I want to share with you is that, well, let's recap. Say no to normal. Stop enjoying, church. Thirdly, push back the plate. The book of John, the 13th chapter, is the story of Jesus the night before his crucifixion and he's spending it with his disciples, those who are closest to him, those who had followed him. What's wild? this is the very room where his betrayer Judas sat and this is the same night where he washed his feet, but what's interesting to me in this story is the Bible says that he sat up from the table all authority under him. Let me interject real quick. All authority was under Jesus, but nothing was above him because he knelt down and washed the feet of his disciples and the the person who betrayed him. See, if leading and serving is beneath you, then blessing and breakthrough is above you. We cannot be too good to be like Christ and wash the feet of those around us and bless those who curse us. Some of us, we've been at the table too long. We're sitting there with that gimme, gimme, gimme attitude. And we know enough to be critical, but we don't know enough to change anything. And I think today God is challenging us God is wanting to silence the voice of Delilah, the voice of the distractions in your life, and He is wanting to push you to the next level. It's time to say no to normal. It's time to stop just enjoying what God is doing, and it is time to push back the plate, get up from the table, and serve. Serve. The Bible says Jesus took off his robe that would signify his status as a rabbi, he picked up a towel. Is there a towel in your hand or are there rocks in your hand? Is there a towel in your hand or is there a plate in your hand? I think it's time to be like Jesus and pick up a towel and serve. Because that, where you serve, that is exactly where you find your purpose and where you discover your destiny. And the story of Samson ends... Like this, in verse 25, it says that, while they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. They're mocking them now. They're mocking them now. See, if you don't deal, if you don't deal with your issues, they will mock your miracles. Hello, hello Esau, not Esau, I'm sorry. Hello, Isaac. Hello, Sarah who one day her son was playing with his stepbrother out in a field, and the Bible says that she saw him mocking Isaac. And what happens is she immediately went to Abraham. That, see, I can relate to that. I couldn't relate to Sarah too much, but I can relate to a mad mama. <laughs> mama said, Abraham, you get that boy, you get that woman, and you get him out of here. <laughs> because the compromise of their past was mocking the miracle from God. And they're mocking Samson. They're mocking him. Bring them out and entertain us. So they called him out of the prison and he performed for them. And when they stood him among the pillars, here we go, Samson said to the boy, the little, it was a little boy who held his hand and said, put me where I can fill the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Verse 27, now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers were there and the roof were, was a, on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform from above. And then Samson prayed, oh Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my eyes. And then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on the temple, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple and the rulers and all of the people in it. Thus he killed more, many more when he died than while he lived. Here's what we have to understand. Samson made his way back to serving because the Bible says that from the moment his head was shaved, his hair started growing back. See, Delilah may have been sent to destroy Samson, but God had a destiny. And in the same way, the book of the Bible is full of men and women. See, insecurity was sent to destroy Moses. Jezebel was sent to destroy Elijah. Death was sent to destroy Elisha. And a giant was sent to destroy David, but God had a destiny. Loss was sent to destroy Ruth, but God had a destiny. Rumor was sent to destroy Mary, but God had a destiny. And Judas was sent to betray Jesus, who I love the Old Testament because it's a shadow of the New Testament, who stretched out on a cross, much like Samson stretched between two pillars. It's a mirror jesus in the story of samson and in those stretching in that stretching he paid for every single one of our sins he made a way for us to be able to come to the father and have relationship and experience freedom from distractions so here's what i want us to do the enemy may have sent a delilah in your life but i know a god who can deliver you from the voice of that delilah let's pray Lord, I thank you for everything you've done today through worship, through your word. But God, I ask that for each and every one of us who are in this room, who have had to battle and fight our own Delilahs in our lives, that you would help us to one, identify, let the Holy Spirit be a flashlight, illuminating the areas and the places and spaces where we need to make change. Lord, I ask that for each and every one of us who are in this room who are far away from you, God, that you would allow us to make a commitment or recommitment today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this room today and you want to commit or recommit your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that very quickly. If you're in here and you say, Pastor Darren, you don't know who I am, what I've done, where I've been. It doesn't matter. God does, and he still desires you. He still has a destiny for you. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. God has a destiny for you. If there is blood in your body and air in your lungs, God is not through with you. Just like Samson's hair began to grow back, your destiny, your calling is without repentance. It's always there. God is always calling you. If you're in this room and you want to give your life to Jesus or recommit your life to the Lord, I'm going to simply count to three. Right where you are and right where I am, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand. One, two, hands up already. Three, lift your hand right where you are. Hold it up. Hold it up. God bless you to my right. I see your hands right here in the middle. I see your hands. Amen. You can put your hands down. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer in support of those who just made this decision. Can we do that? Let's do it. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I repent of my sin, and I release that guilt. I receive your grace, and I confess Jesus is Lord. My life. Lead me now and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate that church.
1: Thank you, Pastor. Man, hey, Stephen said he's going to get a preacher. Hey, a lot of rhyming in there, and rhyming is easy to remember. Don't let Delilah distract you from being dedicated to your destiny and committed to your calling. And listen, if he called something out in you, one of the easiest ways to set a new habit is to vocalize it to somebody. You said ambition twice, that's my Delilah. If you have something, your Delilah, vocalize that to somebody. That's the very first step you should take. Make it known to somebody and then make that change known. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today, our prayer team's gonna be up here up front. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to continue to walk with you. If you're a guest, stop by our connection table for a gift. Pastor Darian, that was amazing. That was amazing. And I know, I know we're clapping for you, but that is not possible without the Holy Spirit. And if that Holy Spirit, if that God, if that Jesus, that, that man just spoke about does not get you pumped well, we have an 11 o'clock service you can stay, you can listen again and we'll give you a second chance to get pumped, alright get on your feet y'all have a wonderful week it has been a beautiful day here go be a light go be salt to the earth vocalize that Delilah and let God move through you and let God replace Delilah with his destiny, with your calling go walk in the Lord, we love you Y'all have an awesome week.